Congregation, the text for this morning's service is from Matthew 19, the verses 13 through 15. Matthew 19, the verses 13 through 15. Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid not to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence <clears throat> so far. Jesus and the little children is the theme for this morning's hour sermon. Jesus and the little children. Three thoughts. Little children brought to Jesus. Secondly, little children forbidden to come to Jesus. And in third place, little children yet blessed by Jesus. Jesus and the little children, little children brought to Jesus, little children forbidden to come to Jesus, little children yet blessed by Jesus. Congregation, young people, you know this Bible story well, don't you? Of some others, fathers, grandparents, friends, sisters, I don't know, bringing little babies, to the Lord Jesus, that he may touch them, lay his hands on them, bless them, and pray for them. And we all remember that some people, the disciples especially, were opposed to that. They said, don't do that. Don't bother the master. That's forbidden. You're not supposed to come so close to our Jesus. Just leave. Leave him alone. He is there forbidding them to bring those babies to Jesus. We also know that the Lord Jesus yet blessed them. In spite of their resistance, he yet blessed them. Now, there is only three verses in the Bible. Only three verses. You would say that's not an important part of the Bible. Well, but these are three times. In Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. With minor little differences. Important enough to say it over three times. That we should not forbid them. That we should bring them. That they need a blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what's happening here? Some parents had convictions. Some parents had highly esteem in their hearts for that rabbi, for that Jesus. And they designed their hearts for salvation, for God's blessing and the blessing of this rabbi. And therefore they brought the children to him. They loved the children. And therefore, they cared for the soul. They really did. 
Why would they bring them to Jesus otherwise? Now we love our babies as well. We love the children. You do, don't you? But do you also love them for eternity? You also love their soul. What do we wish for them? What is the best we wish for them? What is the real emphasis in our brain? What do we want for them? Is it true, parents, that we like them to be saved and forgiven and prepared for heaven? Is that our major concern? That's what it should be. And the parents here or the people here, they feel that concern about their beloved, beloved ones. So therefore they bring them to Jesus. Quite something. It was kind of common in Israel to do this. This was not the first time that we see that. We see it in the Old Testament as well, that Jacob was blessing his children and that Joseph was blessing his children. It was quite something. That was expressing a desire. So when rabbis and others blessed the child and they put their hands on their head and they expressed their desire for their salvation, for forgiveness. They prayed for them. And there was also kind of a promise in involved. The promise of the Lord, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also know from the Talmud, a Jewish commentary on the Bible, that it was common among the Jews to bless the children. And they were asked, and they asked the blessing for their forgiveness, for their soul, for their marriage, and for their life on earth. So, as an example, they, for example, quoted Psalm 45, Instead of their fathers shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. So there was a blessing, instead of thy fathers shall be thy children. Or Psalm 90, let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto the children. There's a prayer. Or Psalm 102. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. So we learn here that bringing children to the Lord Jesus is important. And in the first place, it is a blessing to have children. It's a blessing to receive them from the Lord. Psalm 127, low children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. So having children is a blessing. Also for us today, in our society, children are so often not desired, aborted, killed, and Maybe we have one child or two children, not much more. 
so different from years ago. Having children is not looked up to so much. I remember talking with my mother about it. I'm the oldest of ten. And she said having children is an investment. Even from a natural point of view. So you have children to care for when you're old. So that's not the main thing, that's not the main issue. But it's also a point. That having children is a blessing, it's a reward. The Lord also uses to care for you. Psalm 78. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. So the Lord is blessing. So may I ask you to consider things. When you think of having children, you think of having how much, how many, how many, how many, how many children? To consider what we read in the Bible. To consider what we find in the Scriptures that we see in Psalm 25, 128, Thy wife shall be the fruit of by the sides of thine house, thy children as all of plants round about thy table. And God bless them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it. So the Lord has said, Multiply. The Lord has said, I want you to have children, and I would like to build my church from that. So having children is something spiritual. It is for God's kingdom. It is for God's glory. So therefore they brought them to him, to the Savior. They didn't only teach them the doctrine and the morals. They had to be civil and obedient and to behave well. But they brought them to him to the Lord Jesus, personally. So do we bring our children to him? Not only teaching about him, but bring them to him in prayer. We carry them in prayer to the Lord. Lord Jesus, he is my child. Remember in thy mercy. Graciously forgive. Do we also pray with them and for them? And do we tell them about him? Do we speak highly of the Lord Jesus to our children? Do we tell them about his kindness and his omnipotence and his presence and his faithfulness? Do we speak highly of the Lord Jesus? We also think of our prodigal sons and daughters, right? Sometimes children seem hard on the outside. Seem hard on the outside. But inside they might be hurting. You don't know. Even parents often don't know. They are hurting 
Have they made the wrong, wrong choice, maybe? Having hurt you? And you probably haven't hurt them? Keep bringing them to Jesus. Keep praying for them. Continue to do that. Even if you feel distance, even if you feel anger, even if you feel God, they don't care, even if you think it's hopeless, keep praying for them. All things are possible with the Lord. Don't create distance. No matter. And consider the reason why the Lord wants us to bring them to Christ. It is about God's glory. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. You see what it means? This is about the law, about the word. Bring that word of the Lord to them. Integrate it in your lifestyle. Speak about it at home and speak about it when traveling. And let it be the guide in your hand. Let it be your guide in the house. Fathers, especially fathers, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There's nothing as important as to pray for them, for their souls, for eternity. So are we an example? Are we genuine? Do we teach them personally? Do we also send them to catechism classes? They need our blessing. They need us to bring them to the Lord Jesus. And they brought them, their children, unto Christ, that he might, that he should put his hands on them and pray that Christ in his holy hands would lay his hands, not our hands, that he would lay his hands upon them and that he will pray for them. Being prayed for by the Lord Jesus Christ. That is asked, Lord, pray for my child. Pray, pray yourself. Also ask the Lord to pray. Ask Lord Jesus to pray for your child. Second thought. The children forbidden to come to Jesus. And the disciples rebuked them. That's quite something. The disciples, students of Jesus' school, followers of the Lord, rebuked them and said, don't do that. And they're hard on those parents. 
They say, you are wrong. Don't bother the master. And we don't exactly know why. Did Lord Jesus not have time? Was he too overwhelmed? Were those children not important to them? We don't know. But what we know is that they were displeased and rebuked them for bringing them to the Lord Jesus. And therefore, Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. Forbid them not to come unto me. Suffer little children. Suffer means permit. Suffer means to let go. Do not resist that. Do not oppose that. Suffer little children. Permit little children. And forbid them not to come unto me. To come unto Christ. Don't stop them. Don't forbid them. Don't tell them you are not supposed to come to Jesus. Don't tell them the light is on red. Don't tell them it's a sin to believe in Christ. It's, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous to say to your children, don't believe. Don't come to Jesus. Don't do that. That's dangerous. Then you go to hell if you do that. So we must suffer little children. Permit little children. Not stand in the way. But encourage them to repent of their sins. And encourage them even to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. No, not in a phony way. Not in a fake way. Not in a human way. But you need saving faith. And the Lord is asking saving faith. Don't stand them in the way. Of course, I understand why some people starve the children. They're afraid of easy believism. They're afraid of deceiving themselves. And that is really well possible. People can deceive themselves. It's happening a lot, in fact. But saying that people can deceive themselves and should not deceive themselves does not mean that you have to stop them. They read it in the Bible. Forbid them not to come unto me. Are you doing that so far? Are you warning them? Don't come to Jesus. Are you doing that? That should change. And just bow your knees as parents and say, Lord, I want my children to come unto thee. Don't make me an obstacle. Don't let, don't let me be an obstacle to them. But may it please the Lord to work that faith 
and we pray for them. And we warn them for legalism. And we warn them for, 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 for easy believism. We warn them for all that. But don't forbid them to flee unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell them that the Lord's door is open. Tell them the Lord is stretching out his arms unto rebellious people. Tell them the Lord has never said seeing in vain. Don't twist the Bible around. Don't, 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 don't think that you can change the Bible. And you should not be more, 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 more cautious than the Bible is. So forbid them not. If you have been forbidding your children, literally or emotionally, to come to Jesus, you better bow your knees and you better ask for, for forgiveness. Say, Lord, I've been forbidding my children to believe in Jesus. And our parents, I know, have been stopped later, later on in life after the children had left the house already. And they feel so bad. I have, in the time that they had my children at home yet, only been an obstacle. I only told them not to believe in Jesus. And then they feel such a guilt on them, such a burden. And there is forgiveness for them, right? Nevertheless, it's serious. So, children, I'm not forbidding you to come to Jesus. And woe unto them that do. I would like to let you know that the Lord's door is open. And he's listening to children. If they come unto him, he wants to bless. He wants to save. He wants to rescue. He wants to bring to heaven. Or ask the Lord for a new heart. But don't forget it. The Lord is inviting. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. That is not a lie. The Lord is not a liar. He's never lied. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effect of fervent prayer, the righteous man availeth much. Are you praying for them? For your grandchildren? Pray for them. Or do you only pray for the fact that they just may sit in the pew on Sunday and don't leave the church and just behave? Is that enough for you? Maybe you can think of someone pretty. Especially when you think of your prodigal sons and daughters. Are you familiar with praying over a Bible piece? You know what that is? Praying over a psalm? You know what it means? Let me just give you an example. Psalm 130. 
Pray some one fully over your brothers and others. Out of the depths have I cried unto the Lord. I read. And you say, Lord, this is such a depth. I cry for them. They don't cry themselves. I cry for them out of their depths. In the depths they are. And I cry for them. Lord, hear my voice. Let an ease be attentive to the voice of my supplication for them. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities of my children. If thou shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? They cannot stand. They don't survive. But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. So remind the Lord. That's what this is, right? Reminding the Lord. Lord, there is forgiveness with thee. I know that. I pray for that prodigal son and daughter, that thou would remember them. There is forgiveness with thee. I wait for the Lord, that he is mindful of my child. My soul wait for the Lord. Let Israel hope in the Lord. For the Lord, there is mercy. Also for my brothers and sons and others. And where is in his plenty redemption? He can do it. It's plenty redemption. Don't think it's impossible. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Don't stop praying. Don't give up. Don't say it is hopeless. It is not hopeless. All things are possible with him. And the Lord Jesus heard that. And in the gospel according to Mark, we see that the Lord was sore displeased. That is the first strong word in Greek. Sore displeased. So they're saying, leave, go away, be forbid, don't come to Jesus. And the Lord Jesus saw this play. One of the strongest words in the Bible about anger, about being furious. I think you could translate that. Being furious. The Lord Jesus so upset with his own disciples. Man, how could you do this? It's awful. I'm angry with you. I'm so displeased. The Lord is so displeased that ministers and parents and elders are standing in the way and say, don't go to Jesus. So is so displeased. And it'll be on the shoulders of the pastors and the elders and the deacons and the congregation. If you're guilty of that sin, 
And then the Lord Jesus yet touched them. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. Our third father. He laid his hands on them. Think about that. Those babies, infants, it uh, is also used, also used uh, the word infant, the word newborn. The Lord Jesus made his holy hands. is touching those sinful children, children of Adam, children dead in sin by nature. Babies, hell-worthy babies, on the way to eternal destiny. And the Lord Jesus is laying on his hands. What does that mean? That means that he is so kind, so loving, so forgiving. What else does that mean? You tell me. What does this mean? The Lord Jesus rebuked them, was so displeased, he said, I am going to touch them. What does it mean? It, it cannot mean anything bad. It can only mean something good. And that's also being preached now to you today. For yourself. As a parent. As a grandparent. The Lord tells you something today. I want to touch you. I want, I want to bless you. I am a God of plenty of redemption. There is forgiveness with me. There'll be something. Having heard that. And being forbidden yourself. And saying, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Resisting it. There'll be something. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Of such. There is a spiritual side to this. Of such. People similar to this, resembling this, because when the Lord works salvation, he makes people like children, and he gives them a child-like faith. But what is that? What is a child-like faith? Some say a childlike faith is not to think, to be simple, to just say, I believe, to just say, I don't bother anymore. I go to heaven. That is not childlike faith. Children, in fact, don't even do that. Children don't do that. Those babies, don't, they don't even think. So how can you say that they have a childlike faith? They don't, they don't, they're not believing. Yeah, they're too young for that. There could be a seed, that's, that's right. But like, like with John the Baptist. But normally spoken, 
There's no faith in a child so young. So childlike faith is something else. Childlike faith is to lose your status as an adult. Childlike faith is that you don't have anything. You don't possess anything. That you're helpless. You cannot do it. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings the person to the level of a child, and then you have nothing. To such is the kingdom of heaven. See that? For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And in order to teach that, he laid his hands on them. So he laid his hands on them, but they know they knew what that meant. That meant for of such is the kingdom of heaven. You also see it in the previous chapter. The disciples are fighting who was the most important one. The Lord Jesus called the little child in the midst and told them, you have to become like a child. Like, like a child. So instead of fighting who is the best, you have to lose your self-righteousness and to become a sinner before God. Our forefathers used this chapter and this, those three verses as a piece of the puzzle of infant baptism. This text is not enough to prove infant baptism, right? I agree, it's not, not enough, but it's a piece of the puzzle. Because Baptists teach us that God is not a family God. Baptists opposed to say that the covenant is also with the children. They don't teach that. Well, at least he is teaching that. The kingdom of heaven. Our children are kingdom of heaven children. And they're not all going there, but they are all privileged. They're all blessed in that way. The Lord touched them and departed thence. I will think about that, meditate on it, laid his hands on them, and also see sometimes the other way around, that sinners are touching him. Right? Like the woman with the issue of blood. She came from behind and she touched him. She thought she was too unholy for her. But she yet did. You may feel also too unholy for that as well. Too unholy. To touch or to be touched. But you are not too unholy. Unholy ones are welcome to see the salvation only in him. And you don't have to be a goody-goody. You don't have to have righteousnesses without money, without price. You may come to that Savior. And if 
you are holding someone up, if you are forbidding someone to come into him, it will be on your account. Right? Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid not to come unto me. Meditate on that congregation. Forbid them not to come unto me. Nobody, may, nobody is allowed to forbid you to come unto him. Don't listen to them. They are forbidding you. Don't listen to them. But whatever they say, they may, they, they, they may really get angry with you. But don't listen to them. Forbid them not to come unto me. What an honor, Lord, <clears throat> that sinners are drawn by him. He is the Savior, and he has special promises. He has the promise of eternal life, the, the promise of the kingdom of heaven. You know, we are all mortal. We are going to die. Our children as well. And then we go to that kingdom of heaven. Or not. Or we will just be petrified. And we will just suffer tremendously. And be in eternal pain. And I think the biggest thing, the pain of hell is I was told to come unto him and I didn't go. I had excuses. I said I can't, I'm not supposed, I'm afraid, I don't really see myself. You never know. The Lord will listen to that defense. And yet, there is a people, and they're drama Lord. They did not make the decision themselves. No. They didn't. The Lord made the decision for them. And he was first. And he drew them with eternal power. And he brought them gently unto him. By knowing their sins. And they came as a people. Stripped from self-righteousness. Seeking salvation only in him. And they said, to whom else shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Congregation, do you get my point? Forbid them not to Come unto me. Let it echo in your heart today. Forbid them not to come unto me. The Lord is telling tell me the same thing. Don't say to me, Minister, don't forbid them to come unto me. See, it means, Lord, you be furious with the disciples. I don't want the Lord to be furious with me. Therefore, I must preach this. 
clearly. And he laid his hands on them. There's sometimes the experience of God's people that he lays his hands on them. And says, feel on. And it's such a calm. Then the people opposed and sent a rebuking us. And then we say, I don't fear men. Not be afraid of them. But be obedient to him. May the Lord bless. Amen.